Hey there, welcome to the Metro Minute, where if you're looking for the best practices in public schools, you're in the right place. This is part two of a two-part series. Make sure you subscribe to our channel so you hear all of our episodes. And now, we want to welcome our host, Michael Van Camp, Executive Director of the Metro Bureau, and Dr. Anthony Tooth Francis, Associate Professor of the Teacher Development and Educational Studies Department at Oakland University. I'm going to keep saying core teaching practices, and I'm going to throw sure. two, two, two more questions at you. And mm-hmm. uh, t- take these in whatever order you want, if you could. But one would be, so Teaching Works has 18, 19, I forget what you said. 19, hi, 19, hi, yep. high, high leverage teaching practices. It gets narrowed down to four or five that each teacher ed right, program. Right, right. So the two questions, one, what are those four or five core sure. practices that were chosen and how in the heck did the state of Michigan narrow this list down from 18 or 19, 19 you said, down to four or five? Yeah, yeah, that, that's a great question. So I'm going to start by saying necessary. So um, I can tell you right before I jumped on board, my good friend Mark, who was another professor at Oakland, started, he had just been reading about core practices, so he's like, I'm going to do these. And so what he tried to do is he was going to do one per week. One core practice per week. And what he found really quickly was that one week was not enough time. So what him and I decided to do, we're going to choose, and this was before it got to the state level. So I'm telling a little background. So then him and I decided like, okay, we were going to choose five. And we literally sat in a room and argued for like three weeks until (laughs) we came up with the five. And we did. We came up with five. And that's all we were going to do. Because what we learned was that, man, in a semester, you can't do 19. Okay, so we started five. Guess what we learned after two semesters was that one semester is not enough time to learn five. Mm-hmm. And so what we did was we backed it up a semester. And then we learned two semesters was not enough to learn five. So we backed it up a second semester. So now <laughs> Oakland has literally three semesters of a learning trajectory built on each core practice pretty much in a strategic way to try to help them get base level skills, more skills, right? So the reason why four or five is, is what we went with was because the people who've tried this have learned quite quickly that you can't learn to lead a group discussion in one semester. You can't, there's too much to it. Okay. So here's what happened. So Mark and I chose these five and then the state invited us in 2018 we were one of the two institutions, it was us at Oakland and Grand Valley State, that would present to the Congress of Teacher Education. So that's what they did. They had this thing called the Congress of Teacher Education, and they invited all these teacher educators and teachers and principals and professors and from all over the state to come to Lansing. And so we all came. Um, and then Paula Lancaster from CMU Now was one of the presenters presenting from Grand Valley, and Mark and I presented from Oakland. And so we talked about our experiences and what we did and how we were using these, all this stuff. So this wasn't the state asking. This was the state basically telling the state, this is where we're going. And we were the cheerleaders, which I'm fine with as long as I'm cheering for the right team, which I believe I was. So then what they did after we've said, okay, rah, 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 common core or the core teaching practices are great. Now we need to determine what five. And so what they did was they gave all of us, this little sticky pad with like four or five colored circular stickers. (laughs) And they had all the core practices all around the room. And we did it. We just, 
you chose which five you thought. Okay, so, and, and there was a 50 people in the room, maybe 70 people in the room. So everybody had their stickers and they all stuck them on the board. And what we were asking the whole room was which one of these should the state focus on first? Now, the state has since said they're going to require all 19 very soon. I think they're crazy. I think there's no way to do that. At the same time, shortening the length of time, making the classes cheaper and short, right? Like you can't do both. Right. So, so we got down to five, but what they decided to do, and I, if I remember correctly, I think this was my idea and I'm excited to say that <laughs> was we have two tiers. Now, maybe not, maybe, maybe one of the guys from the state would say, no, you heard me say it. So maybe that's what happened, but I don't remember. I'll remember it as if I came up with it myself. So what we did was we chose four. Every institution will do those four. Then there was a second tier of four more, and every institution had to choose one of the next tier of the four. Okay, so that's how we did it. It was really wide participation. And what's interesting, and remember the question we asked the room of 70 people, what does every single teacher need to know? If you have five to vote on, which would be a five, and interestingly enough, the ones that the state and all 50 chose are basically the same ones Mark and I chose for Oakland the year before. So I'm really happy to say, like, the process worked in a way that really re, re, you know, instilled confidence in our decisions. And we were able to, as a state, basically agree. And so the, do you want me to say which ones are the required ones? Yeah, that'd be, that, great. that'd be great if so you could. I'll, yeah, yeah, I have to do it from memory, but I can do it. Explaining and modeling content, leading group discussion, eliciting individual student thinking, and the, and the last one is um, uh, building respectful relationships with students. So those four, everybody has to do. The next four, which are, you know, assessing student understanding at the begin or during and at the end of a lesson, um, learning about students' cultural, uh, I'm doing this by, by memory, about cultural, socioeconomic, all the different attributes and why it matters in instruction, um, leading groups or leading small groups. It's called setting up and managing small groups. So that's three of the mm -hmm. four, but you get the picture. I'll think of yep, the last one. Yep. But we, we do the first four and then pick one of the next four. So that's how we did it. And I thought it was a fair process. I thought it was a process that really gave everybody a voice. And there was a lot of agreement. Like the top four had like three times the amount of dots as all of the ones below. Nice. So what that said to me is we've got some coherence here. Like we've got some agreement, which yep. is important. And that's a great, great process. So yeah, students go through teacher ed programs. They, they get exposure over a period of time to these core teaching practices. They get to practice these with Co coaching, like guided practice, right? Um, yep. in, w within their education. So now we have graduates coming out, entering their first professional um, positions. They're grounded in these essential practices. Any ideas on how you believe school districts could use this information to support their new teachers once they're hired? Oh, absolutely. Well, let me say one thing, because I like the way that you summed up what I said, because when you said get a chance to practice it, that's the critical part of practice-based teacher education. So just so y'all know, like 
this new movement has been called practice-based teacher education. So what that means, we're not just doing leading group discussion. Everybody has done that for the last 100 years. The new piece is that they learn about it, they go out and try it, and they get feedback. They they record what they've done, and they get feedback, and then they do it again and again. And these cycles of learning about it, trying it, reflecting on what you did with the video is what's critical. Because in the past, what, what I used to do is be like, oh, hey, I heard you lead a group discussion today. Mike, how'd it go? Mm-hmm. And Mike, you would say, oh, it went amazing. And I would say, oh, that's so great. Wow, Mike can lead a group discussion. <laughs> the problem <laughs> is, if you've ever sat in a room with a novice and watched what they did and then asked them how they did, it's pretty eye-opening. <laughs> yeah. So, like, novices are often like, oh, I did great. When you are like, oh, my gosh, don't ever do that again, please. You're doing damage to children. But novices don't have that eye for it. So the real bit to this is that iteration of learning about it, trying it, and then reflecting on actual data. Learning about it, trying it. And we do multiple iterations. So that's on the side. That's what separates practice-based teacher ed from traditional teacher ed. Because in the past, they would just go through my class. They'd write a beautiful lesson plan. And I would assume they know how to teach from that beautiful lesson plan. That's not enough. Okay. Now over to your question. So you asked, what should teach, what should school districts do? Um, I can tell you there was some work coming out of the Oakland ISD a couple of years ago. I was part of it. I don't know where it is right now, but where they were trying to build an induction program from that. Like if we are all graduating here, if all of our teachers are graduating with these four plus one practices, what's the next phase that schools should build. You ask me, this is just lobbing it over the plate for school districts to create a system that builds directly from what they did before. Because, you know, this is, if I've learned anything as a teacher educator, it's that if we don't continually reinforce support on the things that we're teaching them, it just goes away. The natural state of teacher learning is lecture. Just do what happened to you. That's a natural state. And without serious and sustained and consistent intervention on that natural state, everybody just sinks right back down. And so in some ways, I think that sort of, if that theory is right, which I believe it is, if we, if school districts don't intervene, then this, this learning is just going to decay. So this, we are setting it up for an induction program to build right off of this. And that's what should happen. I mean, like I can tell you they graduate from my program and they are not, they're still not good at leading a group discussion. Can they do the basic pieces? Yes. They're still not great at, at explaining and modeling content. Can they do the basic parts? Yes. That's good enough for this. You know, that's good enough for graduation, but how can we then take that space and bring them to the next level of those same practices and which ones should we add next? Like this could create an induction, like a system of induction that aligns with what they've already learned. So that's what I think like school districts should really think about and, and how can we build from this and, and be intentional about it. I love that. And in these, I'm going to combine some terms, high leverage core teaching practices You know, the the new teachers, we know for the first several years of teaching, they need professional growth plans in place. 
that's part of the teacher eval right. system. Right. So why not capitalize on this exposure they've already had and work with it? In the model. Yeah. And the model of learning. It, within that model they have. I, yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So Yeah, and it, so I do say, you know, districts might need help building this. That's not, like, I don't, nobody wants to really say this, but teacher education in and of itself is a study. And so they probably need people to help them construct these systems. Because if we allow people who haven't been trained in this work to construct them, or if we leave it on them and they don't understand the conceptual model, they're going to build what they're familiar with, which is generally, oh, here's a bunch of cool stuff to try. But that's not the model. The model is try this, go do it, record feedback, right? Built around these specific practices. So I think districts could maybe, hopefully, have help to build these systems, and then they handle it in-house after that. So that's, you know, if I had my druthers, that's what I would do, is try to, like, how can we create a system where we collaboratively build the induction program based on what we've done so far? So you mentioned Oakland schools. Do you know, um, I don't know, have you talked with any other districts out there in our area that are doing this sort of work? Well, not at the district level. And that's what Oakland schools was trying to do, right? Like they were trying to go cross district. You know, one of the things that's beneficial about the court practices and the reason why we really adopted this, and one of the reasons is because the core practices feed into any of the assessment methods, right? Like if I, if we go all in on Danielson at Oakland and then they go to a Marzano school or a 5D plus school, that training almost like, oh, well, I guess I need to learn this new system, you know, but if we do core practices, there's enough commonality across all of those systems to allow, to help and support them in Danielson or Marzano. Does that make sense? Yes. So I, there's I, that added benefit I that love, can go into any of these districts. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for saying that. And I think that's a key takeaway, regardless of the eval system that the district's using, this can fit right yes. in seamlessly. Like we could look through the rubrics and match them up. And we're ready yep, to go. I absolutely. Yep. I absolutely. Now, of course, there's still the learning curve of that particular rubric. But they once they get this training, they start to look through these rubrics. They're like, oh, wait, I know how to do that. Oh, geez. Yep. I've learned that. And that's what I need to see. And that's what we're seeing. It's really, really helpful. And, and maybe set these new teachers up for some success at the same time. So Absolutely. I, I'm going to take a flyer here. Um, we, mm-hmm. we, we hear about... Um, teacher shortage in Michigan. For sure, we know that districts are having difficulty um, sometimes finding staff and other times retaining staff. Mm -hmm. So uh, Mm -hmm. do you see the implementation of core teaching practices making a difference with this? Okay, this is a great question. Um, Now, first of all, so I'm going to say yes and no. And I'm going to say the no first. No, because we have much, much bigger problems to attend to teacher respect, teacher pay, teacher, right? Like there's right. so much, so many attacks on our teachers now that are getting people to leave the, leave the field that no matter what the training is, that's not going to help. We need a full overhaul of how teachers are seen and paid and respected and treated in this country by parents, by the public, by the media, by politicians. Teachers have become the punching bag. And if we don't fix that, nothing 
is going to save our, quote, teacher shortage. And I reject the term mm-hmm. teacher shortage because it is manufactured, in, you ask me, intentionally. If we don't fix that, then, then we've got a big problem. Now, the yes part is this. If teachers are effective in the classroom, they stay longer. So I'll say that again. When teachers are skilled, they know what they're doing, and kids are actually learning and engaged, and they're making a difference in people's lives, they stay. And so a good training system will make them more effective, will make them happier, and make them more likely to stay because they're making a difference in this world. Right. So so that's my yes and no. I think it can make teachers stay longer, but the other stuff needs to be fixed, too. Right. I love your passion. Um, (laughs) Any other thoughts as we as we wrap up our conversation? Yeah, you know, um, I can say this and um, I I asked you if this was all right, Mike, (laughs) we are building a, a professional development um, that we've done now with like two to three districts. And it's even longtime practicing teachers are enjoying and giving really high marks on this professional development around core practices. So if you have interest in learning about this for your district, please contact me because I'd love to tell you about what we're doing and the potential we have. We have teacher leaders who can give coaching to your staffs. Um, and, and I hope that if anybody is interested in learning more and perhaps even creating a, a district-wide professional development, which I've already done in two districts now, um, that you will contact me and get more information because we're excited and it's really making a difference. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Francis, and uh, for your time, for your passion, for the work you do in preparing our new teachers for, I, I would say, the most important job that we have out there. So uh, we appreciate you and, and all you do. Thank you for being our guest today. Thank you so much. I look forward to doing it again sometime. And for everyone listening, uh, this is a great opportunity. This is a time to make a difference. Uh, use this knowledge to support your new teachers so they can demonstrate success, help students learn. We also know that employees that feel supported and secure tend to like their jobs and stay in their jobs. It's a definite win-win. For more information, please feel free to reach out to myself at the Metro Bureau or to Dr. Francis at Oakland University. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Metro Minute. Thanks so much for learning with us on the Metro Minute. This cast is powered by K-12 Media, always keeping schools communicating with their communities. By the way, we'd love to see your comments or questions on this cast. Be sure to hit the like and subscribe button so you're always notified of our up-and-coming episodes. Don't forget to visit our website at metrobureau.org if you're looking for anything in public education in southeastern Michigan. We're so excited to see you next time for the Metro Minute.